There are people who swear by gold as an investment. You probably know one of them, a, a gold bug. Someone who's always saying it's gold's been around as a global currency for hundreds of years and will always be a store of value in a turbulent world. They always want to invest in gold and think it's the best place to be. There's others like many portfolio managers I've met through my career who say, you know, Dave, gold is best as jewelry. I'm Dave Richardson and welcome to Personally Invested. I think gold does make beautiful jewelry, but I also think that there's a place in your portfolio for gold and there's sometimes in the economic cycle and investment cycle where gold makes more sense than others. Is now one of those times. Dan Chornis, the chief investment officer at RBC Global Asset Management once told me that there are three conditions needed for a sustained rise in the price of gold. Those are a fear of future inflation, a weak US dollar, and a supply and demand imbalance, things that are present somewhat in today's global economy. With gold and gold stocks being beaten down over much of the last seven years, is now the time to take a serious look for your portfolio at this precious metal? Or should we all just go out and buy some nice jewelry? The best people I can think of to ask that question are Chris Beer and Bram Spilfogel, who head the team that manages RBC Global Asset Management's strategies for gold and other commodities. They're a particularly interesting team because of their background. Although they're both portfolio managers by trade, Chris comes at it from a background as a geologist. He can get right down there in the mine with the miners with a pick and shovel and know exactly what to look for to find out the true potential of a mine and a mining business. Bram is more of the pure finance guy with years of experience in that area, but that combination has been incredibly successful if you look at their results working together over the last 15 years. I hope you enjoy our conversation. So Chris Braham, I, I, I know you were uh, a little surprised to, to, to get the invitation today. Uh, not, uh, not a lot of invitation for the, uh, for the precious metals and, and resource guys over the last few years. But I, I think we're at a point where this becomes a really interesting area uh, for Canadian investors and, and really investors around the world to take a look at right now. Why do you think uh, you're starting to get some more invitations to uh, to do speeches and, and podcasts and other things like that these days? Uh, I think you're right, Dave. We've actually had some institutional interest as well. Uh, not quite ready uh, to step in the water, but obviously uh, gold and basically resources uh, since their peak in uh, the fall of 2011 have had a bit of a rough road and certainly there's been pockets of outperformance but nothing really longer than three three to four months of outperformance but uh, as a, a, a contrarian investor or even uh, a value investor now gold in particular and gold stocks are for the first time have very attractive value and strong balance sheets and basically the whole sector is now uh, wedded with uh, new management teams as well and gold, uh, specifically the commodity, has basically been in a sideways trend now for three to four years. And um, that's quite encouraging. It stopped going down. Yeah. Uh, that's the beginning of a, a new up cycle sometime in the future. That's something we're looking forward to in the next period of time. And, and this is traditionally something that when it has moved, uh, it moves very, uh, very robustly. Uh, in a way that you, you, you want to be involved in it. 
So, so what do you think the trigger is? What do you, what do you think is, what makes it much more attractive today than it was, you know, six months or a year ago for, for investors? Well, I just think the level of gold, as Brian mentioned, technically, uh, it looks to have bottomed, you know, around 1150. We've gone sideways for a few years. The supply demand fundamentals for gold are, are attractive, but really it's, you know, gold is a currency and many of the factors lining up for gold, you know, such as interest rates, rates rising, uh, potentially uh, inflation is starting to tick up. The U.S. dollar seems to have peaked maybe, you know, three to five months ago. That's signs that those signs were evident in 2001, 2002. And as you mentioned, uh, you know, it turns quite quickly. You know, at the moment, uh, you know, we still see strong global growth and rising interest rates, and that probably favors the base metals and oil, but because they're late cyclicals. So the late cyclicals, uh, by definition, are the last ones to move, and they, they have moved. And now, you know, we're starting to see a fair bit of choppiness in the broader market and in uh, late cyclicals. And so we wouldn't be surprised to see, you know, over the next six to nine months, more interest in the precious metal space. Yeah, when you're, and you're looking at late, when you're talking about a late cycle, you're talking about a point in time where if you know people are watching the news, they're seeing uh, a little bit of talk about inflation and interest rates rising and, and unemployment very low, and that's what we're seeing as a backdrop right now. And uh, to add to that uh, thought, um, when you think about, you know, what is the bond market discounting going forward? We're discounting three to four interest rate increases over the next year. Um, at some point, and this is when gold tends and gold stocks tend to do better, is when all the interest rate increases have, uh, the expectations for increases have been discounted, then uh, you start to talk about the gold cycle uh, taking over from the base metal and, and uh, oil sector uh, in, uh, post the late cycle uh, increases that are going on that we're seeing right now. Yeah, and, and it's not just that belief that inflation has to be at uh, 10 or 12% like it was in the, the late 70s, early 80s, or even higher inflation that we had in the early 90s. It, it, there's a lot of different inflation environments. It just has to, there just has to be that element of the potential for inflation there, right? Right. I mean, we've, we've done a lot of analysis on uh, what makes gold tick. And if you try to, um, we've done the natural log of the changes in interest rates, natural log changes in inflation rates. So trying to go into several derivatives of, of things that are typically inverse relationship with the dollar or oil. We've analyzed that, but it's, you know, every cycle is a little bit unique. But unfortunately for this cycle, uh, for basically for, uh, I guess, uh, mankind, is what we're seeing globally in the way of uh, leaders. You know, leaders are becoming very populist, We've got President Putin in for since 2000. President Xi in China's looking to be president for life. President Trump wants to be president for life. And obviously we have these horrible, potentially horrible um, trade wars. And the last time we've seen that, that was probably the, uh, the inflection point for true inflation in the 70s. And we're seeing that now, as you mentioned, with wage wages starting to tick up. But if we start to put uh, steel steel tariffs on is quite a that's a slippery slope where you know having gold in your portfolio as a, a little bit of an insurance hedge is not a bad idea yeah so you, you've got that political instability you've got the, the the you know slight risk of inflation late cycle potential weakness down the road of the u.s dollar supply demand imbalance central bank buying 
uh, and all coming together to to make a, an environment that you know you should at some point start to see this move, and 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 that's the the opportunity that 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 we're kind of highlighting here. And on top of that, we've seen uh, you know since 2011, we've seen the sector, the gold uh, companies, compress in their multiples, as Chris mentioned before. You know, the multiples are as low as we've seen them uh, ever, really. And so we have a nice spring compression here. We don't know when it's going to lift uh, sometime in the future, but we think it will lift sometime. And uh, historically, in our portfolios, what we have seen is periods of sort of, you know, down, down periods or flat periods. But then we have massive uh, lifts in the portfolio, you know, uh, I won't say what amounts, but they're quite large historically and they're repeatable. They happen, you know, a uh, couple times each decade and uh, we've seen it in our funds and, you know, it's just a matter of time that we see that, uh, you know, very high outperformance um, sometime in the future. So, so let, let's move away from the, the overall opportunity and, and, and talk about how, how, how you work together because you, you're, you're a, a unique combination. Uh, we've got Chris, who is a geologist by trade. Uh, I am too. I went to, uh, I, I got into the rocks for jocks class mm. at U of T uh, <laughs> to, get a, to get an easy A. And the, uh, the professor came in and said, you know, anyone who's in here, the jocks in here who are looking for an easy A, I know who you are and you better get out fast. So I dropped out after one day. <laughs> so I'm not a geology expert, but you, but you, you are. Uh, and you combine that with your, your finance background and, and, and obviously you come with a, an incredibly strong finance background, Bram. Um, and you're able to bring these two things together. Does, does he take you down in the mines to, to dig around? Yes, he's sent me for a decade now. He's sent me to all kinds of different uh, holes in the ground and uh, enjoyed some of those visits, some not so much. Or, but uh, it's been a great learning experience. We work great together. Uh, uh, Chris always says yin and yang. I'm not sure if I'm yang or he's yang, but uh, we certainly enjoy I enjoy a lot. Yeah, good cough, bad cough, yeah. or glass yeah. half full. So, half so, empty. so that's not a traditional background to have in the in the investment world to have that geology background. What what does that bring to the table? Do you think for you? Well, it's you know we've been managing the fund the same way over the last uh, basically since uh, two thousand uh, when when I started to get involved, and that's really looking at the small, mid, and large caps. And uh, it doesn't have to be a large cap, a small cap, to have a focus on geology, or finances, or you know, we didn't mention we have two Jeffs on the team, Jeff Shock and Jeff uh, Jeff Chang, and Jeff Shock is a uh, you know recently promoted to associate portfolio manager. He's an engineer, so it brings that element. I can you know typically what happens whether it's a large cap or small cap, I'll get excited about the geology. Um, you know, Jeff will come in and say, well. Chris, you know, this, we got to tame it down a little bit. And then Brian will come in and say, well, we also have to finance this thing. And that's kind of how we look at things. Our three pillars of investment are, you know, fundamental project and what, how, and how is portfolio it? management basically uh, comes in as the third pillar. Um, so we put all three of them together. There's got to be a financial aspect, a fundamental aspect. And, um, so what, what's yeah. your what's your perspective on that, Bram? Having having that 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 geology background and then the engineering background on the team as well yes. to, to to supplement what you've done in your career as an investment manager. Well, it makes it um, it it puts a, a a fuller dimension to when we look at a company because we can have 
that perspective of yes, there's there's free optionality. We look for free optionality in anything. Actually, we look for free optionality in a lot of our uh, portfolios across. Different so, free optionality. What is that? So that would be, for example, what's the market discounting today in the stock? Yeah. Uh, just to just to use um, simple numbers, if we thought that a you know uh, a company was discounting two million ounces, for example, yeah. but our research showed Chris's expertise often will show that. You know, we think this thing has a high probability of being three or four million ounces, for example. And so then in our mind, we're getting the one or two million ounces as a free option. And so we will make the appropriate uh, sized investment in that portfolio based on the size of the company and size of in our portfolio and take that, um, make that investment in the company. And it doesn't always work out, but often our probability or chance of success is higher because we have the geo geological expertise, we have the engineering expertise, and we have the finance expertise. We can kind of put it together and say, well, if the stock's a dollar or you know fifty dollars, for example, that extra two million two million ounces, for example, is worth twenty, or it's worth a dollar share additional, and we're getting that free optionality. We really like the companies that have free optionality. That's uh, often one area where we earn our, you know, higher rates of return. And relative. there's certain parts of the cycle where that's more evident. And, uh, you know, I, I just did some quick math, uh, you know, Bram and I have been working on it together uh, 15 years each, so that's 30, and Jeff and the two Jeffs are 10, so we got 50 in a space that's 50 years of experience. And while Jeff, two Jeffs are a good bit younger, uh, there is still, what, what it allows us to do is look at a very volatile industry. We do use quantitative uh, analysis as well as overlays, but I think having a proprietary base on, this is something you can't capture on a Bloomberg download or pay uh, you know, for an algorithm. Uh, it, you, know, you have to have your own models. You have, to have known which managements have the better chance of succeeding. These are things you can't uh, necessarily write an algorithm for. Yeah, and, and it really is a team approach that you use. Yeah, and I think that's an important um, expression because there's no sacred cows, as we say. Uh, you know, any of, anybody on the team could say, well, this doesn't make sense. Let's, let's question this. Are we really, you know, we, are we locked into this particular idea? Are we making a mistake? So we do have a very rigid, um, I guess, check marks that would make us, you know, get onto a project or get onto a company and get off. And it's well. very pragmatic versus dogmatic. Like, although Bram is being painted as the financial guy, it was just uh, yesterday, there was a mining conference, that, well, the world's largest mining conference was in town, and one of our favorite, you know, small caps was there. And, um, you know, uh, we, we were have identified it early, we're, so far so good. But, uh, you know, Bram is questioning, well, do we own enough of it in the portfolio? So he's saying, okay, Chris, you have the uh, exploration side, but, on the portfolio, if we really think this stock could do what uh, we think it could do, maybe we have to upsize our position. Yeah, it, it, it's a it, it's a really uh, you know having known you for 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 a while, it's a, it's a really interesting combination of of skills, and it's not something you see very often to have the the all those elements of specific expertise and and that team environment that really brings it all together. And the, I mean, the results speak for themselves. You've uh, you've had a fantastic track record. Uh, investing in this space. Well, it's certainly tough at the bottom of the cycle, but again, you know, uh, 
Brian was, you know, we're very aware of what happened in 08 and in other market bottoms where we don't want to, uh, you know, have our core competence diluted by trying to time uh, the bottom of the market uh, in, in the sense of having more defensive, large or mid-cap uh, precious metal names rather than uh, some of our favorite small cap names, which, you know, the liquidity obviously is removed uh, at certain parts of the cycle. But then when that liquidity is demanded for, you know, a, a growing small cap gold stock, as you said earlier, you, you can really get uh, very strong, quick moves in the space. And we want to be positioned for that. So so we, we, we started off with, with where I think we all agree there, there there may be an opportunity here. It's starting to look a little bit more interesting than it has the, the, the last few years. Uh, you've talked about the, the the team approach that you have, the, uh, the 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 wide range of talents within the team, or specific talents within the team. Let's bring it back and just just closer on on the whole idea of of gold and where it fits in a portfolio. So, uh, you know, there there's some people who are gold bugs. They believe in gold. They're they're, they're they always. Uh, they, they always have an element of gold in their portfolio and a big chunk of it. And there's others who say gold is for jewelry and for uh, for making uh, sculptures or statues or artwork or whatever it might be, and that's about the only place for it. What, what do you really think that the, the place for gold is? And I, I assume you have gold in your own personal portfolio. Uh, yes, I do, but uh, obviously uh, I also have a lot of eggs in the basket with this being my main... Uh a source of income focusing on the sector so uh, <laughs> <laughs> but but what what's the when when you're when you're when you're talking to your your friends and family what's what what do you say why why should they own gold in their portfolio well you know historically as i say we've gone back since gold was sort of uh let free by president nixon in the summer of 71 and over that time frame generally you know when you have a weaker us dollar the reserve currency is weaker there's a move towards gold, and and frankly, gold is, you know, as I say, is is actually up quite a bit since uh, you know it's nadir at 11.50, and even the gold stocks are up, but they've had trouble breaking out here. Uh, but generally, if you look at uh, just the inverse relationship to the dollar, uh, rising inflation, and as I mentioned, you know, I mentioned this in a a, a, a speech a little while ago. And I didn't think it would come true. It was about the time that President Trump was elected, and I said, you know, growing popular uh, populism and uh, and trade potential for trade wars would be positive for gold, and it has been. And you you have no you don't, you don't have to look any further really than Bitcoin, because uh, I've seen some Bitcoin uh, propaganda where basically they've cut and pasted uh, the first page of Franco Nevada's annual report, and they try to say that. Uh, you know, fiat currency this and fiat currency that, but Bitcoin, there's over 1,800 Bitcoins, so they, there's only 220 odd countries in the world, so there's more fiat currencies in Bitcoin in our view than, uh, than, uh, than currencies. So we do think, you know, what will drive it is some of these fundamental factors that once gold can, as Bram mentioned, alluded to, uh, get through the 1350 level and then where it broke down through 1400, uh, you know, three or four years ago, you know, what will bring people back is certainly the price move first in gold. Uh, but secondly, and probably more importantly, as Bram mentioned, the space is, you know, fundamentally attractive for, I guess, the first time in my investing career with regards to price to cash flow levels or price to NAV levels. 
and the whole you know the industry has changed quite a bit with a focus on returns rather than uh, growth and uh, it's a it's a new phenomenon out there that I we don't think is recognized well and I you know I, I still think the old um, quote of having some insurance in your portfolio gold is a good one it still keeps uh, your purchasing power it hasn't done anything um, for the last you know since 2011 it's been done down but but it has kept its purchasing power and and it continue and it will continue to going forward so when uh, comes a day when we see a bear market once again in in the broad markets uh, gold will show and earn its respect again and this will be probably the place to be or one of the places to be that will you know perform and hold this value and that's the time when you want to have a little bit of insurance uh, against some of the rest of your eggs in your basket, so to speak. But Dave, to your point, you, you're planting this seed here as a contrarian. Uh, Bram and I recently attended uh, probably the world's most, uh, well, largest mining event uh, in February. And um, there was a, you know, the well-attended well luncheon speakers were uh, base metals, and there was live polling, base metals versus precious metals. And before the polling, 85% of people present, and there was over 1,100 people there, voted 85% that precious metal or that base metals would win. And obviously we got synchronous globalized, uh, global economic growth, PMIs are rising, everything is happy, you know, and then the gold guy got up and said he agrees you know this is a great golden era for uh, base metals with EV, electric vehicle demand for copper uh, but he did show as we tried to mention here gold's inverse relationship and over well since 1970 you look at that period broken up in 10-year periods gold and gold stocks have uh, really put you out on the efficient frontier in investing right and um, he just showed that inverse relationship and said that, you know, if you think that China is not going to have a speed wobble for the next three years, then don't have any gold in your portfolio. But if you think that there's a chance that global growth is at, uh, you know, potentially a peak in the next little bit, and that all the debt that we've raised to uh, come out of this 2008 global financial crisis is, is uh, you know, free money, free money <laughs> then sure. Put your vote down for base metals and like i think chris mentioned we've gone from four trillion dollars of debt to now 21 trillion dollars of debt seems to be fine as long as interest rates are low uh we hope that they do stay lower for long periods of time but they may not and uh gold will probably show its uh shine then so the fine the final poll was uh 65 percent were saying well maybe my next dollar or some part of my next dollar should go into precious metals versus a pro-growth. Because basically gold and a few other things are the only things that are inversely related to global growth. And, you know, maybe, you know, and Dan has alluded to this, clearly we're, this is one of the, and Eric LaSalle is one of the longest uh, um, economic, economic expansions yeah. on record. Not necessarily the strongest, but the longest. And debt propelled. There, you know, there's, there, there is a, an argument to have a little bit of gold in your portfolio. Great. Well, thanks, guys. Thanks for uh, thanks for your thoughts. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you again for joining us on Personally Invested. If you have any other questions regarding the podcast, please go to the RBC Global Asset Management website at rbc 
gam.com. We'd love to get your feedback on this conversation and ideas you might have for future podcasts that we tape with our portfolio managers or anyone interesting in the Canadian investment industry. Thanks again.